Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead, one of my favourite parts of the week. I'm Adam Lang, and every Monday we're joined by economist Stephen Kukoulis. You'll find him at thekook.com, T-H-E-K-O-U-K.com, and on Twitter using the handle thekook. Stephen, good morning to you. And a very good morning to you, Adam. Now, last week, again, we were spoilt for choice with a lot of data. Let's start with the labour data. Take us through it. How did you see it? Yeah, last week we had um, the labour force data, which was better than expected. I think the things uh, from that report that struck me, there were two that were really standouts. One was the unemployment rate went back down against expectations that it would tick up a bit. It went down to uh, 3.4% um, to two decimal points. It's at its lowest level since 1974. What were you doing in 1974, I asked. But, um, <laughs> so we've got a very low unemployment rate coming through. The other thing, which was a standout, was a nice recovery in employment. But the hours worked in the economy, which takes account of any full-time, part-time split, rose by 9.7% through the year. So not only are jobs being created again, but people are working longer hours. I think as the, dare I say it, the uh, return to work from COVID uh, continues. And that says to me that household incomes are going to be reasonably strong as we get towards the end of 2022. Stephen, in, within those hours worked, do you think we get a good measure of those working from home and in the office? That's a really good question because the ABS, the Bureau of Statistics, sort of asks people, how many hours did you work? And um, I guess when we're working from home, I've got this dilemma. I don't know if I live at work now or work from home <laughs> <laughs> because you know, in the evening I'll be watching a bit of telly and I'll sort of just clear a few extra emails and whatnot. So I'm sort of doing work, even though I'm not at work, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's a very good point. I'm, wonder, I'm wondering uh, whether people are sort of saying, oh, yes, I actually did those, those extra hours. And that might be actually boosting, not employment as such, but the hours work series, which, as I said, was, is very strong. And we'll see how it goes on as a measurement. Now, wages and employment and unemployment, you know, how did they look? Yeah, the wages numbers, again, another surprise on the upside. Now, there's a big distortion between public sector and private sector wages at the moment. The public sector is still under the, I'll call it the weight of the uh, COVID wage freeze or very small wage increases. Now, they're all going to be renegotiated and some have been already, and they'll show up in the data in the next six to 12 months. So public sector wages will pick up, but for the moment, they're quite low. What I think was the the takeaway was that private sector wages rose by 1.2% in the quarter. Wow, that's a pretty hefty increase. Uh, The annual increase went to 3.4%, the highest in 10 years. And while in itself that's not really the sort of wage number that would cause the Reserve Bank or anybody else huge concerns, another couple of quarters like that, and if the public sector wage numbers start to pick up uh, you know, early in 2023, which I think they will, you know, we'll have a bit more of a debate about wages. Now, clearly, they've been very, very low for a decade. And a bit of catch-up is fine. But like good red wine, you don't want to have too much of it because it can lead to, lead to a hangover. You know, we, we want wages to pick up, but again, not too much. There's that optimal level. And for the moment, we're fine. But it's something that I know the Reserve Bank's looking at. So in terms of the Reserve Bank then, they released the minutes of the 25-point rate hike in November. What did you see in those minutes? 
Yeah, well, they again, the, the things that I think they've already uh, touched on in a couple of speeches since that board meeting and those minutes were, were crafted, and that is that they, they still have more hikes uh, to go, that they certainly did see concerns in inflation, that inflation is going to get a little bit higher before it starts to come down through next year. However, having said that, and this is why they only went 25 basis points rather than the 50, which they spoke about in the minutes, was because the global economy is slowing down. They can sort of see quite clearly, you know, the the data coming out of the US, out of the Eurozone, out of the UK, is all suggesting there's downside risks to the economy in 2023. They don't want to be over-hiking when the global economy is coming off the boil, commodity prices are coming down, and you know, there's some degree of confidence, certainly in the bond markets, that, you know, inflation will start to top out and perhaps taper away uh, once we kick off 2023. So let's take that to an international perspective, Stephen. And I know this is difficult, but it seems like the markets around the world are really watching for any piece of good news on inflation data and, and jumping on it. How are you seeing those markets around the world and, and how the investors are regarding this information? Oh, Adam, that's actually spot on. I think that if we get any snippets of news on, you know, producer prices, on inflation numbers, on commodity prices, you know, that's feeding into the bond market, which is feeding back into the stock market. And, you know, you're seeing these, uh, well, in, in recent times, bond yields rallying. That means that the yields are falling and falling quite sharply. And then stock market investors think, great, you know, we're, we're getting near the end of the uh, rate hiking cycle and we buy stocks and, we've, you know, we've seen some pretty decent gains admittedly from a low point in a lot of the stocks. And I think that's where we're at at the moment. So, you know, we're seeing erratic news, I think it's fair to say, because in the UK last week, we saw they had an unpleasant upside surprise to their inflation rate, above 11%, if you can believe it. But Mm. in the US, we saw the producer price index cooling off. So that was sort of mixed news from the global economy. But yeah, all eyes are on inflation indicators, what's happening to, well, actual inflation, obviously, but things like commodity prices, supply chain issues, so you know, um, freight, shipping costs and these sorts of things are certainly something that the market's looking at too. So we've had all of that information. We've had COP27. We've had the G20. After such an enormous week, of course, next week's inevitably going to be a bit quieter than that. But, but what are you seeing in the week ahead? Yeah, locally, there's not a lot of hard data. There's a few little snippets that come through. But the big thing for the week ahead here in Australia will be the RBA Governor, Philip Lowe, giving a speech to CEDA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. Uh, And it's his first speech, obviously, after those uh, labour force numbers and the wage numbers last week. So it'll be interesting to see what his take is on those. There was some speculation, including from me, that the RBA might just pause if those numbers were were moderate. However, they've both been, as we are just discussing, stronger than expected. So I think he'll probably just outline the case that they'll probably go 25 basis points in their December meeting. He'll probably signal that you know, inflation's still a concern, that they'll do whatever it takes to get inflation back down, but that there are some indicators that that could well be the case in, in 2023. So all eyes on the RBA governor. Locally, there's no really uh, important domestic news until, well, next week, and we'll talk about that next Monday morning. Stephen, you've seen uh, the RBA and the Governor under pretty intense scrutiny in recent months. Do you think we're expecting a disciplined talk this week? Oh, look, uh, yeah, the RBA has learned a lot. In fact, one of the things that the RBA put out last week in their uh, various research documents is a bit of a mea culpa about their forward guidance. You know, that forward guidance being the sort of terminology for 
when the RBA governor a little over a year ago was saying that, you know, we're not going to hike rates until 2024. Ouch. I think um, he got burnt by that and learnt from it. And while there was nothing malicious in that uh, commentary, of course there wasn't. He was just not expecting inflation to pick up, so therefore we're not going to hike rates. I think they've learnt from that. So I think this week when we see the governor talk, it'll be not really offering where interest rates going over the next couple of years, but more a very short-term view on rates, but a medium-term view on the economy without necessarily having any interest rate sort of connotations coming from that. And I think that's probably the wise path for him to take. And, you know, it was the path that most central banks do take or what the RBA generally took in in years gone by. So I think that forward guidance, well, long-term forward guidance is dead and buried and it's just really, you know, talking about the markets in the next couple of months rather than the next couple of years. It'll be interpreted many times over, but we look forward to going through it with you again next week. Stephen, have a great week. Thanks, Adam. All the best. That was economist Stephen Kakoulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at thekook.com and follow him on Twitter using the handle The Kook. I'm Adam Lang, and this is Fear and Greed, The Week Ahead. 